In the IT world, everybody is talking about as a service, from software to platforms, infrastructure to everything. Buzzwords and benefits are banded around. Agility, cloud native, rapid elasticity, on-demand flexibility, consumption models, utility billing. What's missing? A bit of clarity. So the software as a service model has disrupted traditional IT. And more importantly, it's created pressure on IT to move faster. That's Tony Clement, a strategic cloud advisor at HPE. With the help of Tony and today's guests, we'll be attempting to untangle as a service, a story that encompasses cloud computing and digital transformation. In an attempt to answer those burning questions, what does everything as a service actually mean? How can I digitally transform when I've spent so much on kit? Which cloud capabilities enhance your ability to compete? And isn't as a service just rental? All this and much more. I'm Michael Bird, and this is Technology Untangled. As a service and cloud computing may seem like relatively new terms, but they've been around quite a bit longer than you might think. It's time for a little history. US computer scientist JCR Licklider the man who inspired ARPNET, envisaged a world where everyone would be connected and be able to access specific programs and data, regardless of where the access point might be located. It was had to do with the military and to ensure that um, even if the, you have the worst disaster, you actually had a um, self-healing network. In, in 1972, then you had IBM's uh, virtual machine, so VMS. And that was uh, the ability to be able to take IBM's large computers and to run virtual machines inside the computer so you actually got more value and you could run more workloads in uh, large systems uh, than previously. And it allowed you to isolate the, the application workloads away from the physical hardware PC release and adoption by businesses in the uh, mid to late 80s uh, and then going into the 90s we got into networking and into um, the client server era all right so far so familiar but the real change came in the mid 90s when compaq coined the term cloud computing and that was really using the internet and using the internet infrastructure to provide computing services i think that was kind of the key notion behind it that was during the dot-com boom E-commerce and, and B2B commerce was really big at that time. It was uh, B2C. People were using those kind of terms. We don't even use those anymore because they're just accepted as standard ways of working with, from one party to another. Uh, but those were all fairly kind of new terms and, and they were hot buzzwords at that time. And then the notion of using the internet for transactions and for retail and for e-business With online business booming, there was a growing demand for tools and services that would allow organizations to make the most of the new frontier. Enter Salesforce. In 1999, I think Salesforce actually launched. And the reason Salesforce is quite important in the whole cloud story, particularly software as a service, is they've been the market leader in software as a service. Traditionally, enterprise applications like customer relationship management, CRM, were 
always implemented as on-premises capabilities. Uh, Salesforce said, well, you could actually run your business in the cloud. You could run your one of the most important aspects of your business, if not the most important, your customer relationship. You could run that in the cloud and we can do it for you. We can deliver that as a service provider. And so Salesforce created the opportunity for large corporations to use the internet and use the as a service model. Salesforce's Software as a Service, or SaaS, challenged classic installation maintenance and management to deliver a cloud-based application via the internet without the traditional licensing model. For six or seven years, SaaS was peak IT, setting the wheels of change in motion. Next up was Platform as a Service, which instead of delivering software over the internet, provides a platform that allows organizations to develop, run, and manage applications without the complexity of infrastructure. The first example was Zimkey by Fatango, but most people might be more familiar with Google App Engine. The innovation train didn't stop there. In 2006, Amazon relaunched its cloud division, Amazon Web Services, where enterprise could rent virtual computers, but still use their own systems and apps. Not software or platform as a service, but rather infrastructure. So AWS had built a incredible internet-based business infrastructure for retailers. And they looked at that and they said, we could sell this as a service. We could sell the infrastructure that we have as a service. We could sell the compute and storage as a service. And and, and and that's what they did. A few years later, Google comes along, Microsoft comes along. And by 2010, you had everyone kind of in the cloud business. So that's kind of been the um, how we got to where we are today. Infrastructure as a service provides the same tech and capabilities as a traditional data center, including servers, network, OS, and storage, without the need to physically maintain or manage all of it. An infrastructure middle ground between as a service and on-premise is hosted infrastructure, which was pretty popular in the mid 2000s Now it's usually referred to as co-location. It lets organizations rent physical space for servers and other hardware. So the software as a service model has disrupted traditional IT. And more importantly, it's created pressure on IT to move faster. Okay, history lesson over. These days, pretty much everyone uses SaaS on a daily basis, from Google Apps to Netflix to Dropbox, and for some organizations, Salesforce. The lines between platform and infrastructure as a service are becoming more and more blurred, with providers such as Microsoft and Google offering services that span both. In order to be cloud, it has to have five um, characteristics. The first one is... All of these as-a-service models were made possible by one innovation, cloud computing, which is defined by NIST as having five key characteristics. On-demand self-service, broad network access, resource pooling, rapid elasticity, and measured service. These characteristics are the same whether we're talking about the public cloud, like Amazon's AWS, or the private cloud, computing services only available to select users, whether over the internet or a private internal network. But why are we talking about this? Well, the trajectory didn't stop at the end of our timeline. There's an upward trend in every imaginable as-a-service offering, from security as a service, analytics as a service, and even big data as a service. 
what the the cloud has given us is the ability to move fast and what the public cloud has done is it's made those services available to anyone so as a small business i can compete from a compute perspective i can compete with just about anybody as a service offerings available on the public cloud were revolutionary for everyone from startups to large organizations i remember this big scary cio walking into actually was into the google's hq and this must have been about 10 years ago that's paul kennedy i'm the business development manager for our all of our advisory and professional services team and this guy sat down looked some of the head honchos of, of google in the eye and said tell me about security and there was about two hours of one of the public cloud specialists talking to John, the CIO, about the security of the public cloud. After that two hours, CIO sort of sat back in his chair, thought about it, looked us in the eye and said, have you any idea how much money it costs me to run my infrastructure from a security perspective? Have you any idea how much my security budget is? And you're telling me that I don't need to worry about the security. You'll do it for me for a fee of £33 per user per year. That was a really radical change that he was thinking about. Yeah. So radical, cheap and agile. Why wouldn't you want to use the public cloud for everything? Is the public cloud a destination? Absolutely not. It's about choice. And choice is far more important than a single destination. The public cloud is not the answer to everything. In the same way that running things in your own data center is not the answer for everything. There are some organizations who that's probably appropriate, but really not many. What we now need to think about is the public cloud is a choice. In fact, the very nature of some organizations meant that their workloads and applications needed to remain very much under wraps, but they still wanted some of the agility, a cloud-like experience, if you will. Enter the private cloud. So there'll be policies around the type of information or the type of processing that a particular service executes being proprietary. This process that we have it is our strategic advantage. There's no way I would ever let this out into the public, ever. We've spent millions and millions over the last 20 years, and this is our proprietary stuff. That is a good reason to run in the private cloud because you, you want to be able to control security, um, physical security. Safe and secure sound great in theory, but for most organizations, this just isn't practical. In order to effectively run private cloud, you need to have a pretty strong motivator. The best practices that are being implemented today are very expensive. Google, Amazon, Microsoft, their infrastructures cost billions, right? And, and there aren't that many organizations on the planet that are willing to invest that much in technology when it could be available cheaper as a service. The public cloud is perfect for certain apps and workloads, and the private cloud could be a fit for some organizations. But at what cost? If only there was some kind of blended environment that moves beyond these conversations about public versus private clouds. The hybrid cloud is, is exactly what the definition says. It's the interoperation between 
private cloud and public cloud. Yes, that's right, the hybrid cloud, otherwise known as the best of both worlds. The main benefits of the hybrid model are around three things. And I talk about the three S's, scale, simplicity, and speed. If you think about scale, you need to be able to have the capability to scale whatever you're building as quickly as you can, either on-premise or in the clouds. Now, there could well be things that you'll want to build and be able to scale very, very quickly in the public cloud, and you can certainly do that. But having that switching capability to say, well, actually, some of it needs to run on-premise because of security or latency issues, but still knowing that you've got that scalability capability that's actually independent of either it's public cloud or on-premise. The thing about simplicity, Simplicity is all about having the things available to you whenever you want it. So what you don't want to do is be in a world where you could say, well, actually, you can build that on premise, but you can't do it in the public cloud. You want to have that simplicity to actually go, well, doesn't really matter where it sits. I need to be able to get hold of that data set or I want to run a containerized infrastructure or I need people to be able to access this application as quickly as possible. And then you want things to run at speed. You want to be able to make those changes quickly and easily so you can stay ahead of the competition. The hybrid environment lets organizations switch between these public and private clouds. And this simplification and streamlining of an organization's IT can be packaged together using the as a service model. What does everything as a service fundamentally mean? Well, certainly, first of all, if things are as a service, we want them really to be locationally independent. So we don't want to be deterministic about whether things are in in our data centers or in the public cloud. We want things to be independent by very nature and, and where possible to be able to be moved around. And when we want things to be, you know, everything to be as a service, we want the payment model, the cost model to also be the same. So what we want to be able to do is for customers and organizations to look at the cost model and think about it from a customer's perspective and think about it from their business perspective and not be determined by an architecture, be it on the public cloud or in the private cloud. Depending on your business needs, having infrastructure or storage as a service might seem a bit pie in the sky, but hardware manufacturers have been preparing for this for quite some time. So infrastructure manufacturers, whether it's HPE or IBM or Dell, Cisco, EMC, whatever, they're building in cloud functionality within the hardware now, right? So hardware itself has the hooks in it for virtualization, hardware, physical compute storage infrastructure. New applications, modern applications are architected to run in the cloud. That's where you get this cloud native term, right? All of IT, on-premises infrastructure, if we accept the assertion that that will become private cloud, being able to run my application workloads across both the private cloud and the public cloud could be of a big benefit. So there could be application functionality and application data that I wanna keep on-premises. 
but then there also could be application functionality and data that I want to run in the cloud, but I want this, this service to span both. I want it to be one service. I don't want to have two business services, so to speak. So to ground this idea of hardware and infrastructure as a service, I called up Ruben Melville and Scott Thompson from HPE GreenLake. My name's Scott Thompson. My name's Ruben Melville, and uh, I'm the worldwide category manager for GreenLake in the channel. Okay, really quick disclaimer. There are myriad examples of everything as a service out there, and GreenLake is HP's offering. We don't want to make this all about us, but GreenLake is a really useful case study to explain the universal benefits of the consumption model to organizations. All right, where were we? Now, a couple of years ago, Customers talked about this cloud journey, but what they tended to mean by that was public cloud. You know, we're we're going on a cloud journey, really ended up being we're taking it to the public cloud. However, we've now started to see a change in that. So customers are now looking for more of a hybrid type solution. And the reason for that is because they've started to realize that, yes, they're on this cloud journey, but they can't move all of the data that they have to the public cloud. One of the biggest problems for traditional IT departments is provisioning. Organisations have always had to estimate how much of everything they need in advance, from storage to compute power. So where you're buying technology, the purchase of infrastructure, a customer is actually spending a lump sum up front on capacity they don't actually know when they're going to use. So if you think about it, most customers over-provision. Uh, in fact, industry talks about 60% over-provision for compute, for example, and around 50% for storage. So that means they're actually spending money up front on capacity they don't actually require from day one. So what we do with GreenLake is actually deploy on day one what the customer actually requires. So not over-provisioning, but actually what are they going to use? But we also give the customer a buffer because obviously capacity can go up and go down. So we'll give them a buffer on site of around 10 to 20% over what they require. That means they can scale into it when required. Infrastructure as a service avoids over-provisioning and service sprawl, which very much fulfills that simplification requirement of the hybrid environment. The ability to scale up and scale down is key, both from an agility and a cost control perspective. Financial services is an area that this resonates with from the point of view that they think a lot about uh, the return on investment. They were really growing quite fast. Their customers were putting demands on the organization to launch new products in ways that they wanted to see them be able to work. So they were trying to release all these new products and keep up with the demands as an IT division to release these products at the same time as helping the organization run the day-to-day and grow at the 8% year-on-year they were looking to grow. Well, now that now that they have HPE GreenLake, they're able to effectively capacity plan and uh, deploy projects much, much faster and have no lag time between the need for increased capacity and the supply of increased capacity. Hang on. Isn't as-a-service just the same as rental? Good question. We get asked this quite a lot. Is GreenLake basically the same as rental or is it a lease? And I'll say no. And I can understand why we would ask that question, as there are a lot of competitor solutions that kind of describe as a service 
when in reality, if you just look at it, it's like a lease. What we're actually doing is metering the usage of the environment. And we do that for our software consumption analytics. And that's what makes it stand out from being a rental or being a lease. Well, it's fair to say that in recent times, particularly in 2020, most organisations have experienced doing quite a bit more with quite a bit less. There's been a huge increase in remote working for, for obvious reasons. You know, we've seen particularly an increase in demand on virtual desktop infrastructure projects. So risk and cost are critical. And of course, more than ever. So what we're doing with GreenLake is actually helping them with that because we're deploying capacity as and when required. That we see in the market. Due to the nature of the fact that consumption model is metered and, and billed and invoiced on a monthly basis, there's no upfront investment required for an organization to start working with uh, as a service. Well, as I mentioned earlier, GreenLake is just one example of the possibilities of as a service. A model which in itself delivers those key public cloud concepts of agility and consumption pricing with a level of control more akin to the private cloud or even on-premise infrastructure. Everything as a service is about flexibility. When organisations aren't held back by their hardware, they can really hone in on what's important to them. For an organisation to look at an everything as a service model, there's a couple of key values that they get out of it. I think the first thing that, that they get from it is the capability to focus on the key elements of their business. If you're a bank, you can focus on being a bank. If you're a retailer, you can focus on the customer experience. If you're a government organization, you can focus on the services that you provide. Everything as a service opens up new ways of working in every industry. But at its core, it's not necessarily a technological shift. The biggest changes and perhaps challenges are operational and organisational. And it is challenging. There's a, there's a lot um, to be taken account of. We talked earlier about the multi-cloud environment and the hybrid environment. Now, all of those different operating models need different skill sets to manage that complexity of various environments is is tricky and also making those decisions around where the workloads are going to be optimized is is difficult as well you can't be thinking about how i can do something better than my competitors today with an industrial age mindset that's impossible and this challenge this change of mindset is the real transformation. Would it make any sense for me to use, do the same tasks that I performed with my VHS player with Netflix? You, you go, no, why would you bother? And that's the way people that are thinking in the digital age think about traditional IT. Why are you bothering doing those things that we know are inefficient? And there, there are going to be some really solid and profound reasons to do that. The application's too complex. We have too much invested. It'll take a longer time. All those are good, tick, 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 tick. But you better get a move on right now. 
And today when I see IT leaders and, and business leaders holding on to the past, holding on to their VHS tapes, holding on to that VCR player, holding on to those old remote controls, holding on to that old stuff, that is a cultural problem within many organizations that's inhibiting digital transformation. Digital transformation is difficult, but totally necessary. We often hear the phrase innovate or die, and it really is as stark as that. If organizations don't transform, they can't compete with those that do. You may have heard the term, yeah, agile allows you to fail fast. Yeah, it does allow you to fail fast because you, you can see what's working and what is not working very quickly. But the key isn't just failing fast. It's also failing fast, learning, and then pivoting. You know that you have to think on the fly. You have to be nimble. You have to be agile. You have to come up with new answers. You have to be innovative. You have to be creative. And those attributes need to be part of your culture. They don't need to be an exception. You need to be doing that all the time. Some organizations have struggled with the amount of investment that would be required. Certainly some traditional organizations, IT has still been seen as somewhat of a cost and somewhat of a drag. You know, there was always that thought that the IT, you know, the guys in the IT crowd sit in the basement. You only really go there if you've got a problem with your computer. Now, organizations need to look at that and fundamentally think about digital transformation in a new world. And the IT department need to be at the point where they can lead that or at least be at the table to help facilitate, understand and act on the way that the business needs to change. Because I'll tell you for one, there is some little startup somewhere who is going where they want to be and will be there quicker than them. Both Tony and Paul describe CTOs and CIOs as playing important roles in driving organisations forward. Not just in terms of technology by informing where apps, workloads and data sits and how they're managed, but actually digitising and modernising the entire business approach. I think number one, Think about where the business needs to go in the future. Number two, really think about your customer, not now, but in the future. Number three, and I've spoken about this before, think about the culture. The culture not only of the organization, but think about the culture of your customer as well and how they want to interact with you both now and in the future. The as-a-service market is projected to keep on climbing. And as for the public, private and hybrid clouds, word on the street is we'll be getting rid of that terminology altogether. I don't think we'll be calling it hybrid for a very long time. It'll just be computing. It'll That, that hybrid, just like we don't talk about the World Wide Web anymore. You almost never hear anyone say WWW. We are on that trajectory. We will be in a, in a hybrid world where private and public cloud need to interoperate effectively as one for the foreseeable future. Hybrid is the way of the future and organizations need to move quickly to adopt it or um, they will compromise their organization's ability to win in the marketplace. 
Harness the power of hybrid to get the best of both worlds. Embrace everything as a service to improve agility and flexibility. Cut costs, but stay in control. And digitally transform to keep your competitive edge. So how do you get started? Well, Tony says there's no substitute for just jumping in. You could read as much as you want and go to as many workshops as you want, but until you actually start to live it and experience it, you don't know what it is, right? It's just like anything else. It's only by diving in and experiencing it will you learn how your organization or any individual organization will execute this and then take advantage of it because it will be slightly different in every company because of the culture, because of everything. And that requires that day-to-day you know, leadership. You've been listening to Technology Untangled and many thanks to today's guests, Tony Clement, Paul Kennedy, Ruben Melville and Scott Thompson. And you can find more information on today's episode by checking out the show notes or by visiting hp.com. Make sure to hit subscribe in your podcast app and join us next time when we'll be exploring how changes in consumption models, amongst other things, feed into everyone's favorite sustainability buzzword, the circular economy. Today's show was written and researched by Isabel Pollard with sound design and editing by Alex Bennett and production support from Harry Morton and Thomas Berry. Technology Untangled was hosted by me, Michael Bird, and it is a Lower Street production for Hewlett Packard Enterprise in the UK and Ireland. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.